welcome to the Hannah Miller Show. And here she is, Hannah Miller. Outspokenly conservative and unashamedly Christian, this is Hannah Miller, and this is what happened this week. So two stories coming at you this week. I want to talk about something, the budget that's going on in D.C., and then I want to talk about a new Barna study uh, that was published this week. Fascinating stuff, and it kind of is a good complement to what we talked about last week when we talked about the state of theology and that survey that was done. And so I wanted to cover that this week. So first of all, let's cover. Let's go to D.C. and cover what's going on there. So our government has organized an invasion of our country via the southern border. They've enacted tyrannical COVID policies. They've weakened our food supply chain to the point of breaking. They're squeezing Americans' pocketbooks in the name of green energy. They're destroying your health with a dangerous vaccine. And they're preying on our children with overt sexualization and genderqueer propaganda. But, but, before you rage at the Democrats, let me tell you who betrayed you from your side of the aisle. Because I expect the Democrats and progressives to hate America and attempt to destroy our way of living. It's just the way that we know that most of those, the progressives, and I don't want to paint all Democrats, although it's increasingly all Democrats in office, but we'll label progressive Democrats this way, that they, by majority, hate America and our traditional values. They're not my guys, though. So there's little that I can do about them. And that's why you don't hear me kind of rage about the Democrats a whole lot. I expect them to do what they say that they believe, which is, uh, you know, abortion all the way up till the 11th month. <laughs> uh, you know, all of these, the, the, the LGBTQ plus insanity, all of that, they say that they believe it. I expect them to follow through with all of that. What I can and should do is worry about my guys and how my guys play the game. And in D.C., I think the least they can do is hold up the budget until some of the things that I've already mentioned are, as Daniel Horowitz wrote, redressed through defunding mechanisms and policy changes. Yet, not only is that not happening, but Senate Republicans went along with adding two additional knives to our backs. The Budget bill provides an additional $12.3 billion in spending for Ukraine without any kind of information on how this benefits the U.S. And right as the Nord Stream pipeline has undergone apparent sabotage, yet Congress isn't pursuing any kind of investigation before we send more funding over there. Shouldn't we find out who has evolved before we just start, you know, cranking out billions of dollars to these guys? You could just consider yourself Zelensky's personal piggy bank, all right? You, the American taxpayer are the Ukrainian government's personal piggy bank. Additionally, the bill allows a $3 billion transfer for the State Department to resettle more Afghans without demanding policy changes on security. I think we covered this two weeks ago, maybe, but sort of recently we covered some of the issues that have occurred and that we've seen happen with 
the transfer of many Afghans over the last year and a lot of the security breaches that have happened or security, uh, just issues as a whole where you have uh, Afghans who have come over who were not properly vetted, who have a vendetta against the United States, things like that, that they get here and then we realize, oops, probably shouldn't have let uh, that person over here, and and, or we allowed folks who had reason, viable reason, to be coming to the United States, people who were our allies, Afghans who had helped us, they were abandoned in Afghanistan versus being evacuated when they should have had first priority because of their standing relationship with us. But anyway, the bill, yes, it does throw $15 million at the FBI for vetting, but fails to specify a plan to do that. And do we really trust the FBI to use the $3 billion or $15 million for the purpose of vetting Afghans? Or is it more likely that they'll use the money to investigate political opponents and garage door pools at NASCAR races? I mean, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. It's my mantra over here. 22 Senate Republicans voted for cloture on Tuesday, and that, of course, includes our very own Lindsey Graham, as always. To add insult to injury, though, according to Horowitz, they are strategically timing the expiration of the CR for December 16th during the lame duck session so that the defeated members can lock an entire year of spending and possibly tack on transformational policies, undercutting the leverage of a future Republican Congress. So I tell you all of this because, again, these are the Republicans. These are supposed to be our guys. And again, I'm not one that's just like, oh, just as long as they have an R by their name, you should vote for them. Absolutely not. Obviously, Lindsey Graham has an R by his name, and he stabs us in the back more than he actually helps us. So I don't believe that, obviously. But they are the guys that are supposed to be on our team. They are the ones that we can hold accountable for these kinds of things. So that's why I bring this to your attention, because Lindsey Graham is is supposed to be our guy, and yet he's stabbing us in the back without asking for any kind of policy changes, without putting pumping the brakes on so many of the the issues that I listed at the very beginning of this podcast today. You know, we should be holding up this budget and saying, wait a minute, there we are on a downward spiral and we need some things to be done before we sign off on any more of this money. And then not only did they do that, they tacked on and were voted for cloture on the tacking on of these two additional uh, funding, the the funding of these two additional uh, aspects of the bill. So it's just an atrocity. It's unsurprising. uh, But it is something that, hey, we need to know. You need to know that these guys are doing it. I won't give off the whole list but uh, for 22 Republicans, Senate Republicans, but you can look it up. So if you don't live in South Carolina, find out if your Senate Republican played a part in this. This is Bob, the producer of The Hannah Miller Show. Hannah and I would like to thank you for subscribing, favoriting, sharing, liking, and everything else you can do for a podcast that makes this podcast so successful. As you probably know, Hannah and I are both based out of South Carolina. I want to tell you about another podcast I think you'll find very enjoyable and educational. It's called South Carolina Politics. The topics on this show range from county council and school board all the way up to the governor. Interviews, opinions, discussions, updates, and a lot more. So check it out wherever you find your podcasts. It's called South Carolina Politics. So despite feeling 
like traditional American values are not only unpopular, but unequivocally despised these days, because I, let's be honest, that's how most of us feel. I think if we were, you were to ask yourself, how do you think the majority of Americans feel about American values? Because look, you and I, we, we've seen the, we've seen the videos on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or TikTok or wherever that you go of young people who are just so, their rhetoric about the United States is full of such vitriol. And they seem to just despise the America and the American values, traditional values, that many of those who of you who are listening to this podcast would hold near and dear. But there's two new polls from Barna that reveal quite the opposite. And, and it kind of solidifies a little bit of something that I've long believed, because even the— we we all we know that the guys on on that play for the other team and that you know they the, the Democrats the progressives the liberals all of those that that you know they get things it's clickbaity it's clickbaity when you're walking you do the man on the street interviews the sensational ones are the ones that are gonna get you views and so even when our guys conservatives they're doing their man on the street interviews how many interviews how many people do they have to go by or what pass by to get to the person who's going to just spew hatred regarding America or who's just going to demonstrate overall ignorance regarding American history or whatever it is that they're interviewing people about. Because I guarantee you that even conservatives who do that and do the man on the street kind of interviews, they're passing by people and looking for the sensational interviews that are going to be clickbaity. You know why? Because they have to create revenue. Because at the end of the day, for a lot of these guys, it's about that they have to make money. And they have to sell the things that make them money. And that kind of sensationalized content makes them money. Okay? And so I don't mean to to bash all over these guys that do it. Uh, I'm just saying that there probably is some of that that plays a part. And I think this poll, these two polls from Barna reveal that that's probably in in some ways very true. That sure there's not it's not a total fabrication that there's division in the United States, but maybe but there is not as much as we think that there is. American values haven't gone anywhere. And George Barna opens the report with these words. Quote, Recent national surveys have reported that Americans no longer trust most politicians or either of the major political parties and believe the media are fanning the flames of division. Americans also believe the country is moving in the wrong direction and fear for the future of the nation's democracy. Add the ravages of inflation and the threat of a recession to the political chaos, and what's left is a nation wondering if we will find our way back to unity. They did two polls conducted in July that involved over 4,000 participants online. The study used language such as fight to or die for, sacrifice resources for, argue in support of, do not feel strongly about, and would not defend. So that's kind of that's the spectrum that they used. On one side, I would fight to or die for this versus uh, I wouldn't defend that. I wouldn't even 
verbally defend that stance. So that's the spectrum that they gave for folks. And surprisingly, the things respondents found the least appealing were the things that you and I are beaten over the head with every day and told to hold in high esteem. Strong government, unrestrained sex, hedonistic entertainment, becoming famous, the idea of popularity and fame. Those are the things that were the bottom of the list, okay? On the other hand, values respondents strongly supported were justice, integrity, character, and the ownership of private property, but get this, 80% of respondents said one thing in particular was worth fighting or dying for or sacrificing resources to preserve and strengthen. What was the value that topped the list? Family. 80% said family is a core value, something that defines them and their life. Bob Adelman wrote the article that originally brought this study to my attention, and my mind went to the exact place that his did in his article, or that he did in his article, when I read about this. And that is the Communist Manifesto. Why? Why, you say, would my mind go there? Why did Bob's mind go there? Since its publication in 1848, communists and Marxists have attempted to undermine the family unit. Adelman pointed this out in his article, citing chapter two of the Communist Manifesto, in which the abolition of the family is advocated. You see, for communism slash Marxism to succeed, the original traditions and values of a people must first be destroyed and then replaced with Marxist values. This is why you see so much of our history and values being desecrated. Lizzo twerking while playing President James Madison's crystal flute is just one example from this week. Or you you see our history and values being flat out erased, historical monuments being torn down, and the rewriting of historical facts. 1619 Project, anyone? You can't get any more rewriting of historical facts and absolutely erasing the truth of our history than that. If a hole is not there, Marxists will attempt to create a hole that they can then fill. This is where we find ourselves now. Marxism attempting to create holes in our history, traditions, and values so they can then come in and fill them with their own. One of Barna's comments is worth noting here. He said, Placed into a cultural profile, the picture that emerges is one of a nation in which people are seeking moderation rather than extremes. For instance, they are not interested in an extreme form of government, either too strong or too weak. They do not want all social structures or hierarchies eliminated. They typically reject biblical morality as it is perceived to be overly restrictive and inflexible. Americans want opportunities within reasonable boundaries. So one point on that. So his main point being they reject uh, what they perceive as extremism. They want moderation. They basically want opportunities, as he kind of said in that last sentence. They want opportunities within reasonable boundaries. And of course, they typically reject biblical morality because they see see it as being overly restrictive and inflexible. And of course, we talked about this a little bit last week, and a lot of it's just not that they are to- not that many believers, evangelicals, and even uh, Americans at large 
totally reject biblical morality, they don't have a clear understanding of what that actually entails. Because when given the details of it, a lot of folks would, by and large, agree with some of the principles, but they've just, but the truth of the Bible has been misconstrued or flat out, uh, they've been flat out lied about. So, uh, so many folks don't know. But again, there is a sin nature, and our sin nature is to reject the Bible. So I don't, I don't want to digress and go down that road too, too far. But I just want to give a little bit of uh, context for maybe why people reject biblical morality. And the thing is, is that the U.S. Constitution and America is all about freedom of religion. People have the freedom, and that's what they, when they're talking about clearly political, which is what this survey was kind of these two poles were coming from, they don't, they're rejecting biblical morality uh, and saying they just want the freedom of religion. They want the freedom to choose these things. And so within uh, an American republic, that's well within uh, the purview of that. Here's the thing. If you were to walk up to almost anyone on the street, and I, and I kind of talked about this at the beginning But if you were to walk up to anyone on the street and ask them about the state of unity in America, they would probably tell you that they believe Americans barely have any shared values and the rifts are greater than the commonalities, right? I mean, don't you think that that's the answer that you would get? That's probably the answer that you would give, that we have a lot of rifts, that we don't have, we we barely have any shared values. But this is the, this, these two polls show the exact opposite. When we stop reading the headlines, when we stop watching the talking heads, when we get off social media, when we put down our phones, when we turn off the radio podcast, when we do those things and instead we connect with the person next to us in line at the grocery store or across the hall at work or in the next row of desks in class or with our next door neighbor, essentially... When we start cultivating relationships within our community, rather than just believing the lies we're told about one another, we realize we aren't so different after all. We have a lot of shared shared values. These two polls demonstrated that. We want freedom of religion. None of us want this extremism that if you listen to the talking heads, if you listen to the the radio and read the papers and watch the news and those kinds of things. It's these two extremes. We're depicted as being two extremes facing off against one another. But when we tune all of that out, we realize that yeah, we're 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 different, but we're we're not the extremists by and large that we're portrayed to be. Sure, there's some differences. This is America, after all, the great melting pot. But overall, these two polls reveal the truth that the division in America is not born out of our inherently different value systems, but is actually being created, magnified, and promoted by politicians, pundits, and popular personalities. Barna's closing comments included this statement. Paying attention to what matters to the public can initiate the process of identifying common ground rather than emphasizing differences. The emphasis on what we share in common is what will break down barriers between groups and provide a sense of common cause. 
but it will take bold and honest leaders to set aside ideological distinctives in favor of points of agreement. End quote. Last week, we went through a study that revealed that rather than rejecting biblical Christianity, today's evangelicals are mostly ignorant regarding the details of the Christian faith. And this week, we discovered that many Americans share common traditional values and reject extremism. These show me that our goal for the church is biblical education, and our goal for America, outside of simple evangelism, is to expose the lies propagated and take hold of the common ground we share. As Barna was just saying, the first step is for us as parents to get our kids into the real world, off the internet, formulating real relationships, and creating real community. Currently, our culture is facing an epidemic of loneliness. Do you know that? An epidemic of loneliness. Fertile ground for divisive lies to take root. That's the exact kind of culture that Marxism needs to sow lies. We simultaneously reject Marxism and cultivate biblical literacy in our churches by building bridges, building relationships. When we know one another in real life, the lies of Marxism finds no barren ground to take root, and real relationships in our churches also provides us with the opportunity to disciple one another in the truth of the gospel. Community, fellowship, is essential to the Christian faith and for the continuation of American values, which just so happens to be the fruit of Christianity. Thank you for listening to The Hannah Miller Show. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. If you'd like to find out more about Hannah or to schedule her for a speaking event, go to her website, thehannamillershow.com.